last 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. The 2022 regular season is at an end for the Washington Nationals as we welcome in you, welcome you into the first off-season episode of the Mass and All Access podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings with you live from the Mass and Web studio. Hopefully you're tuning in on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel, listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts. It was a, boy, it was a rough year. It's over now. (laughs) It is done. Amy's got the giggles today, so if, if, if this sorry. podcast goes awry at some point, that's on Amy. Sorry. But I'll go with you. Hey, we're, yeah. we're partners in this, so we'll... You want to go? <laughs> you seem like you have a lot to say, but don't you, know how to say it. Yeah, well, you just keep going. 55-107 and 107 is your final record for the Washington Nationals. The worst in the major leagues this year. Worst in club history. Not including the Expos, not franchise history, but in club history since baseball returned to D.C. in 2005. We're going to talk a lot about what happened. There, you know, it, that sounds a lo- like a lot of negative. We're going to talk some positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't a complete wash. I mean, we knew what was going to going to happen this year. There were some unexpected turns, like the trade deadline. Um, but we knew this was going to be a down year for the Nationals, and when they fully committed to this rebuild, so we're going to break down. That's uh, hard to break down, but we'll just discuss everything that kind of happened from spring training on. And, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of bads. There are some goods. But, you know, I, I think my main thesis, Amy, for this pod and, and for this season, and um, I'll have some more thoughts on it on MadisonSports.com Friday morning. But I think we're going to look back at 2020. I think a lot of people are going to want to forget this season, right? Like, all right, that was bad. Like, let's move on. But I think it's going to be hard to put it past and we're always going to be pointing back to this year as a pretty pivotal turning point for this franchise right and definitely and really the best part of the season was after the trade deadline I mean I know we're going to talk about that and that you know kind of being something that Nationals fans maybe didn't expect going into the season you knew it was going to be a down year but that trade deadline was something that I don't think a lot of Nationals fans were um, prepared for but really a lot of the highlights and bright points came after that Mm -hmm. and came with the players that the Nationals got back in the trade deadline so that is definitely a positive that we're going to talk about uh, as we go through the season yeah and if we're looking at it through a positive lens I mean of course the prospects the Nationals got in return for um, trading Juan Soto and Josh Bell, which was a shocker at the time, uh, even though that there was some momentum building toward that as we got closer and closer to the August 2nd deadline. Uh, but like you mentioned, yeah, we've got a month in plus of C.J. Abrams playing shortstop. Now, even he missed the last game of the season with an injury. Doesn't seem to be too severe. We I don't think we actually ever got his MRI results because they didn't have it before the final game of the right. season. But he told reporters that in New York that he, he felt a lot better on the last day of the season. So that's a good sign. But, yeah, I mean, I know I think he finished with a minus three defensive run saved, according to fan graphs. That doesn't look great, but that's a big improvement from what right. the Nationals were getting from the shortstop position. So you've got a shortstop possibly for the future. Luis Garcia definitely improved over at second base defensively. Um, 
we never saw Mackenzie Gore, but we did see Akei Cavalli make a debut. We did see Jackson Tatro make a debut, Evan Lee. And I, I, I'm naming all of these pitchers that are on the injured list mm-hmm. as the season ended. I know that's a bad sign, but the point is that we saw some young players come up and, and make debuts. And that was maybe one of, at least for us, the main goal for this year is like let's see some young guys and see what they can do. It's not always going to be, you know, perfect. It's not going to be ten strikeouts, whatever it is, you know, a couple home runs. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. But the fact that the Nationals are able to bring up young players throughout the course of the season was a good sign, at least for year one of this, the first full year of this right. rebuild. And I think the best part of it is you saw them come up and make significant improvements. I mean, if you looked at C.J. Abrams' first ten games. Um, up with the Nationals compared to where he finished. And just you see his progressions, especially at the plate, but defensively as well. You see um, Luis Garcia come into himself at second base, you know, uh, lock down that position where he's going to play for the foreseeable future. Um, you saw them make improvements, which was exciting. And then you saw Joey Manessas, which yeah, was right. probably the brightest spot of this team. Um, and you wouldn't have seen him had the Nationals kept Juan Soto. Right. And with Joey Manessas, and we'll talk a little bit more about him later, but like, you know, he became like the story of the last month and a half of the right. year. Or, and, uh, you know, the Nationals were making a push for him to be considered for NL Rookie of the Year. I mean, he's, I don't right. think you can compare him to other guys who played mo- most of the season. But, I mean, he, his numbers over the course of a year kind of match up to that, which is pretty exciting. And also the story, him playing in the minor leagues, in the Mexican leagues for 10-plus years, and then finally getting his first right. major league call, hitting a home run in his first major league game. Uh, pretty cool. Hitting the first Nationals walk-off of the year in in September, uh, right. September 1st against the A's. I mean, um, and speaking of that, I mean, let's just, I wanted to go through some of these not so great numbers because I, I think they are noteworthy just how, how bad statistically and um, the Nationals were this year. And I, I say this not to like put them down, but look how bad, but just, just to kind of show like, you know, this is one, this is what we kind of expected. Um, this is, not part of the plan. They don't mean to lose this much, but like this wasn't an outlier, right? It's not like this team was expected to win and then they did all of this and it was bad. No, this was bad. But two, it kind of also to say, all right, there's no nowhere really to go but up. So like I said, they finished with the low, the worst record in the major leagues, which again, does not even guarantee the number one pick next year. The lowest or the highest they could pick, I guess, is seven. But could you imagine finishing with 107 losses and then picking seventh the following year? A really bad year. Really bad timing for the Nationals to lose 107 games uh, right before the draft lottery. But at no point during the regular season did the Nationals reach 500, not even after opening day. Like literally they started zero and zero and then were never 500 again. Um, their longest winning streak was only three games, which they accomplished five times, which barely qualifies as a winning streak. Right. That's, I think that's the bare minimum qualification for a, a streak, a winning streak. Um, their longest losing streak was nine games from July 7th through 16th. They never swept a series. They had opportunities, but they never swept a single series. And I didn't actually go back and see how many times that's happened through the course of Nationals history, but I can't imagine it's been very often. Um, and they were swept 11 times. No, sorry. 12 times because they got swept in New York, didn't they? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to fix that right now. <laughs> swept Update 12 that. times. They were shut out 12 times and only shut out their opponents four times. They were walked off five times, only walked off twice, both coming in September, both via the young guys that we just kind of mentioned, though, Joey Manessis and C.J. Abrams, which right. is pretty exciting. Uh, so that's a good sign. Um, and they had the worst run differential in the major leagues at minus 252. 
And then you look at the individual level, you have guys, Patrick Corbin had another bad year. You have Josiah Gray leading the league in home runs and walks, um, not just the league, the major leagues. Right. Um, so, again, it overall was bad. <laughs> but that being said, th- that is kind of – maybe we weren't expecting it to be this bad, but I think also you weren't expecting them to trade two of their best players this year. Maybe Josh Bell, but maybe definitely not Juan Soto heading into the season. So you would figure that's worth a couple more wins – some more better numbers. Of all of these numbers, Bobby, like what are you most concerned about? The ones that I just rattled off? Yeah. The run differential? I think that's a a bit, and again, that kind of ties into Juan Soto and Josh Bell not being here for the last two months of the season. But how many times this year did we see, especially the starting pitching, give up a bunch of home runs earlier? I mean, you had Josiah, like I mentioned, and then and Patrick Corbin then led the league and earned runs losses, hits allowed. Um, I mean, that's just not a good sign. I mean, Mark Zuckerman, I think, touched on this in his post Thursday morning or earlier this week, like when they decided to shut down Josiah Gray. Like this is a team that builds, usually builds around starting pitching, right? But when you look at the NL East, they just could not match power for power right. either. So you you can't, it's one thing to have one or the other, no power, but good pitching or or, you know, bad pitching but some power they couldn't do anything and in this division now that's going to be one of the best in baseball it's like the nl east and the al east are going to be the two toughest divisions moving forward uh that that just can't happen right. and and mike rizzo mentioned that during his end of season thing is like we need more power somehow and right. definitely better starting pitching but i think that's on the way with cavalli gore who knows about cole henry hopefully josiah gray improves but i think the pitching's on the way it's the lack of power at the end of the season all, really all of the nl east teams don't give up home runs but hit they hit bunch. them yeah. <laughs> um and i think like for me what is most concerning is that starting pitching because that's the nationals mo right we're yeah. going to draft pitchers we're going to develop pitchers our we build our entire roster around our rotation um, and they had great success when they did that. When you had a much better Patrick Corbin in 2019 and you had Max Scherzer and you had Steven Strasburg and then, you know, going back even, even further than that. Um, but I think that's what's most concerning is a rotation that pitched to a 597 ERA, mm-hmm. the worst rotation in baseball, when starting pitching has been your focus. And then you throw in the injuries with your youngest guys, the guys that you're actually supposed to be developing, I think that has to be your biggest concern. And I don't know, like looking forward to next year, like Patrick Corbin was your opening day starter with 19 losses or Gray gave up 38 home runs, the most in the major leagues. Like that's concerning. (laughs) You have a Mackenzie Gore that was never able to pitch. And that was, you know, the bright spot as far as pitchers go in the, in the trade. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's a fair point. Just to play devil's advocate, I guess if you're looking at this season specifically, Maybe you're right. You're right about the way that this Mike Rizzo builds this team. It's starting pitching, and, and that it was not good. Um, but then I, I, I go back to my I think it's on the way with the young guys coming out again. There a lot of them are hurt at the end of the season. Who knows? If, who knows if like a guy like Eric Fetty will be back? I mean, I think it's telling at the end of the year. Thirty-eight year old Anibal Sanchez was their best starter. Right. Uh, and but then I go to, you know. Look back to what we were talking about before the year during spring training. We were said, you know, this pitching staff might not be great, but at least the lineup will score runs mm-hmm. with Juan Soto, Josh sure. Bell, Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz finished with ten home runs and an OPS yeah. like above six fifty, barely above six fifty. 
Like, who would have predicted that? Or you sprinkle in the fact that we didn't see Steven Strasburg, who you signed to, right. you know, possibly now one of the worst contracts in baseball. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good point, too. I mean, that, that, it's very telling that Steven Strasburg slipped through the cracks in the conversation right. because he made one start and barely pitched into the fifth. And now has, I think, is what, pitched in eight games since the World Series? So that's that's – but I, I think looking at – we kind of figured – that the pitching was not going to be great. I don't think we had too high expectations on Patrick Corbin making a bounce back. And I think we figured that, okay, Cavallo will be up at some point, possibly a Cole Henry. Jo- Josiah Gray will take a step forward. And and that didn't happen, but also the lineup didn't help. I mean, right. we didn't predict them trading, like I said, Soto and Bell. But even before then, it was literally just Soto and Bell. I remember Soto didn't get hot until right before the All-Star break. Right. And so that lineup just didn't produce. I mean, Nelson Cruz had a really bad year. That was a bust of a deal. You, you know, you figured you trade you you could have at least traded him at the deadline, and then no one wanted him because he was you know he had ten home runs. And then I mean, right. unfortunately, he didn't finish the season because of that eye infection. But I mean, it was I mean I, I I think looking at the season retrospectively, it's like it was the lineup was pretty disappointing. Right. And I think that ultimately led to them having to trade a bunch of guys. And then they were the worst team defensively in baseball. They yeah. were last in outs above average, and which again we didn't expect. Which, exactly, which you didn't expect. I think the only, like, positive flip on that is that you have a lot of young guys now. Yeah. You have C.J. Abrams at shortstop. Uh, you have Luis Garcia at second base. I think that makes you feel at least a little bit better at the beginning of the season. Yep. Probably not because we had veterans filling the entire infield. Um, but now it's the younger guys, so you can kind of live with that a little bit more. Well, Joey Manessas might be a better defensive first baseman than Josh Bell and Luke Voigt. I mean, obviously oh, better is, than the yeah. boy because he was playing it, but, but like, you know, that they might have upgraded right there by bringing in True. a 30 year old Joey Manessis. He might be their best defensive first baseman since Zim. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's an upgrade there, too. But yeah, I mean, look, going into the season, we're like, well, you know, you got Soto in right. You have Victor in center, Lane Thomas in left. Um, we thought that Cesar playing kind of all over the field would be a good defensive upgrade. Yadiel Hernandez was a nice surprise offensively. Yeah, but then his season was cut short, too, due to a calf strain. That's like, um, So, yeah, you're right. And I think looking back on it, that was maybe, maybe the most frustrating part for Davey Martinez was the bad defense. And, look, he understood. He said a multiple, I, I, he, he knows what the plan was, what they were trying to do, that this was going to be a tough year, that it's going to be a tough process moving forward. But I think some – not making the fundamental plays really upset him and really kind of, right. you know. Because it makes everything look so much way. worse, right? Well, right. It's like <laughs> if you're, if you're not going to be able to – look, because, like, I, I think we said, like, they're not talented enough to make simple mistakes. The base running errors as well. Like, that running – they ran into the most outs. They were the worst base running team, yeah. So, like, when you already have a lack of talent, small stuff like that looms large, and, and it's going to make you – one of the worst teams in baseball. Like it's one thing to be one of the worst teams in baseball, but you can just look. Oh well, they you know yes they played hard, great, but you know they tried to they made the smart plays. They just weren't as good. That's you can live with that. But when you're basically beating yourself, yeah, that's makes it even tougher. Like defensive mistakes with you know small routine plays and base running mistakes are mm-hmm. like the two most glaring things as right. well. So even just from a fan perspective, like that's incredibly frustrating. Right. Like okay, we're not hitting home runs. Like, okay, people are outpowering us. But, like, those small mistakes cannot happen. But Davey Martinez said it over and over again, you know, these guys are young. When C.J. Abrams would make a mistake, he's like, oh, he's going to hear about it, you know. But you see him, you know, getting better and better. So that's 
the only positive spin I think you, yeah, <laughs> you can but take then, on it. I mean, but then you have guys like Victor Robles who have been around for a while well, and he's getting the ball in center field and then launching. I mean, he's got an arm. Yeah. He's made some great plays, no doubt. But then there'll be times where he just like launches it to the backstop and then like two runners advance. Right. And then, you know, we talked a lot about how the defense didn't help Patrick Corbin a lot, even though he, you know, Patrick Corbin wasn't great himself, but defense behind him didn't really help either. So, I mean, yeah, it's it, that all that makes it for a very frustrating season. Again, right. you can be bad just because you're not as talented, but when you beat yourself, it's harder to stop. Right, and I think, you know, you're looking at all of the bad numbers, though, to me still the starting pitching is my biggest concern. And yeah. if that's how we're going to continue to build this, um, you know, roster moving forward, um, that has to improve. Yeah, and, and we talked about this a couple of weeks now ago, but the injuries are – it's not just, like, the poor performance. It's the injuries. I mean – And that goes into, like, what is going on. Yeah. And we were – I think <laughs> like, we were kind of, like, shut down Josiah Gray immediately. At least let him make sure he's healthy. And he is. Right. But you got two of your top pitching prospects out. Mackenzie Gore never made a debut. Um, and I think that was more so because he, he – apparently he is fully healthy. That was more so because he did get rough up in his last outing. And then that weather – Locally, last weekend just was like all the uncertain. I mean, they re rescheduled the doubleheader for Friday and then pushed it back to Saturday. I mean, it's like you don't want to put a young. Like it's frustrating, but I'm not upset right. that we didn't see yeah. McKenzie. That, that's why we saw Tommy Romero make a start. Right. It's like <laughs> you don't you can do that to Tommy Romero. Don't do that to Mackenzie Gore. Just right. let him go into the off season healthy and, and with, with the <laughs> oh, program and come back in spring training. Right, exactly. Um, so, but you're right. I, I think given that the Nationals do build their team this way, and this was the most glaring problem. That is makes the the red flag you know and you know more noticeable and Rizzo and his you know wrap up what yeah two few days ago said it wasn't changing I mean he still said starting pitching starting pitching starting pitching so Uh, which which is not a I mean look at the teams that are in the playoffs right now the Mets post one of the best rotations the Dodgers have a great rotation the Braves have a great rotation I mean some of your favorites to win the World Series that are still playing have Great starting pitching. I mean, they have great they have great teams, period, but, like, they also have great rotations. But they also didn't <laughs> draft a pitcher the first round for, you know, like, that's, those are, that's, that's like, they do it in a, di- they built these great rotations in different ways, and that's, it has to be a combination of all these things, and the Nationals that's have been, you know, full send on, we're going to do it ourselves, which doesn't typically work out, as we're seeing. Well, right. I mean, look at, like I mentioned Eric Fetty earlier. Fetty was a 2014 first rounder mm-hmm. starting pitcher. He might be a candidate to be non-tendered. Well, and he's probably the biggest success story of that list. That stays with the Nationals. That stays, exactly. Aside from Strasburg. Right. Well, yeah. But in, you know, the last, what, seven years, let's say. Yeah, but from from 2010 through 2019, Strasburg was Steven Strasburg. But, yeah, I mean, I guess you can't count Giolito, traded away. Right. That um, stayed with the Nationals that they've really developed. They're ha- he's the biggest success story. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty well yeah. to think about. Yeah. So, um, one other thing to kind of since we're talking about the team, but like the other thing that kind of I don't want to say cl- casts a cloud over this organization heading into this off season, but a big question mark that kind of covered this team for the rest of, for most of the year was the announcement that the Lerner family yeah. is looking on to potentially bring on other investors or possibly selling the team, period. Um, And, you know, we talked about how that affected the decision at the trade deadline. And I think it's going to be more of a question now heading into this offseason because 
all along the uh, thought was like that's this is not going to go through or anything really can't go through until this fall with the owners meetings or but um you know rizzo and i give rizzo credit and i and i don't blame him and you know i respect him saying this but you know when he was asked about this during his postseason or end of season wrap-up he you know he said we business as usual we've have we, you know he used the same terms that business as usual we have our marching orders <laughs> we're gonna continue we're gonna be aggressive okay that's great but if the team is sold a new owner could say hold on we, i just spent over a billion dollars on this team right pump the brakes we're not spending too 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 much and that changes the entire offseason plan like i i'm hesitant for us to i mean we're not gonna do it right now but as you know the next couple of weeks build i'm i'm not i'm hesitant to say oh yeah the Nats should go after this free agent or, or looking to train for this guy yada yada because everything could change at the drop of a hat if there's a new owner and be like hold on reel it in and i don't know that they i mean spend money for what you know i don't know that like, well, you're right. Who would come here? Right. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Like in the, well, just in, like you're in the middle of this rebuild or you're really just starting the rebuild right now. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense. And I don't, it, that just throws a whole extra loop into this off season. Mm-hmm. Like it's probably going to be a quiet off season otherwise, but yeah. selling the team is going to be the big, the big story. And I imagine it's probably difficult. I don't know how much Rizzo knows right now. Um, but it's probably difficult to, you know, move forward in your off season plans when you don't even know who's going to own the team in two months. You right. Know? Which is like, I, I respect him giving like the company line of being like, you know, um, right. business as usual. I get that. But the reality it is it simply can't be the reality. Yeah. Usual. Until you know, who's actually, you know, right. the owner. I mean, and, and you know, it's could go one of three ways, three ways, right? Like, the learners can be like, you know what? Never mind. We're going to keep it. Or, hey, we're going to bring on so-and-so to be a partial owner. Or we're selling, we're the, selling whole the whole team. team together. Unless it's anything but option A, you have to put the, the off-season into kind of a question mark. And even option A would be like, all right, we're going to keep on the team, but we're going to have to you know, make some cuts here and there and then that, in terms of our payroll. Like this organization might look completely different come spring training. Like the future of Mike Rizzo as GM, you know, Davey Martinez, the whole front office, like those things change right. when you change owners. So right. everything's really up in the air as far as the off season goes yeah. right now. Yeah. Right. I mean, cause we, when, when Rizzo and Davey had their options picked up in July, I believe it was, mm-hmm. um, you know, we said that, that that's great. What does that really? But mean? that could change. I mean, like mm-hmm. one more year, and and you and I both argued. I think I'm pretty sure you agreed to me. But like, my my point was like, if you're gonna go through this, some stability helps. So like, if Davy and Riz both know what they're getting themselves into, then let's move forward with that. Davy has proven that he can be a good field manager with a good team. I know his record doesn't show so, but look at 2019 with a good team, and a non-COVID year. Right. They were good, and he and he outmanaged some of the best managers in the game during that 2019 postseason run. Mm-hmm. So I, I still have faith in Davey as a field manager. I don't think Rizzo deserves any slack for what's happened over the past couple of years. He's doing strictly what he's been told to do and what's been given to him. We could talk about the draft we have, but like in terms of building the major league roster through free agency, through trades, he's got a world championship. He's been executive of the year before. No problem there. So, but you're right. A new owner could come in and be like, well, I want my own guys mm-hmm. and I'll buy you out. All right. That's your choice. But like, I, I would say that let's have some consistency if we're going to go through, as long as Davey and Rizzo are good with it and like, I, yeah, let's do it. 
I, I don't see any point. And, and plus, the guys in that clubhouse that are currently there, especially the young guys, love them. You know, I mean, you know, it's 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 a good atmosphere to be. I mean, losing aside, <laughs> it's a good atmosphere to be around for young players and, and the veterans they have in there. Right, exactly. So looking back on the season, we kind of talked about, like, all of the bats. Um, but anything that was kind of a positive that maybe surprised you? So, we talked about Joey Manessis. I mean, you know, we did a lot of talking about top prospects and guys that could come up. I think looking at him, and I remember when he got caught up, we were kind of like, who? Joey, he, he's a first baseman? Like, oh, you had him run this Oh, he needs to come up because debut. they yeah. traded Josh Bell. They don't have a first baseman except for Luke Voigt now. <laughs> um, and then he just took off. I mean, he was one of the best rookies in the, sec- in the last two months. I, I, I don't necessarily think that qualifies you for rookie of the year because there's so many other guys that yes. played the full season. But, I mean, that was an impressive showing. Um, that's a good story. Um, honestly, the way Anibal finished the season was a good story. There's question marks for both Anibal and Nelson Cruz. Like, is this the end of the line for them? And I think they both hope not, but you never know. I mean, and Nelson's they both said free. they hope not. Right. <laughs> Nelson Cruz said, yeah. you know, I hope this isn't it. Uh, same thing with Anibal, you yeah. know. And because I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll eat crow. I'll be the first one. I was very confused, and he was was not all aboard Anibal Sanchez pitching when he like. Spring training, yes, but when he missed the first half of the season due to an injury, I was like, "What are we?" Do? I mean, yeah. Cavalli is crushing a AAA. Let's let's bring up the kid and, and see what he. And, right. But then, like I said, Anibal became their best starter over the last couple of weeks of the year, um, and now I think has now proven himself to to continue. So like, it's kind of sad that you know maybe the positives are like, well, the guys that we fell in love with in 2019 are going to have a shot somewhere else. Right. I think for me, probably the bullpen might have been huge bright spot. Like yeah. the biggest surprise, they pitched a three eleven ERA over their last seventy eight games. That's the sixth best in the majors. I think fifteenth in the majors over the whole season, and the bullpen has been a constant concern for right. the Nationals over the last four or five years. Um, and all of these guys, we talked about it. We've talked about the bullpen, you know, halfway through the season, you know, just a few weeks ago. And then really none of these guys were here to start the season uh, with exceptions of Finnegan and those guys. And I think that was a really big surprise and kind of Carl Woods Jr. being one of the ones to lead the way. Yeah, Carl Woods Jr. was one that we talked about, like, how did you not trade this guy? Right. Like he was – and that was actually a cool moment too, thinking back on it. Like his first outing as a national, he gets the call from AAA – Remember he. This is a weird thing about stuff. Like, remember he received his Braves World Series ring when he was at AAA. I didn't hear that story. Yeah, um, with Rochester when they were playing the Braves affiliate, and then like a week later, got called to the Nationals, and they were like, "Oh, how's the ring ceremony?" He was like, "I, I don't know." I don't like, know. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's cool, but it was weird. I was at AAA. Anyways, and he was one. He, he had a bad outing, his first outing, and, and then he like, vowed it would not happen again. Yeah. And it basically didn't. I mean, yeah. you know, he had a few like a, bad outings here I mean, and there. That's but, the life of being a reliever. He's right. not going to be post zeros the entire time for over what 60, 50 ish outings. But he was more Orosmo, than solid. Orosmo Ramirez, your like, pitcher of the all, year. Yeah, all of these guys that were a pleasant surprise, and it being the Nationals bullpen was kind of exciting. And whether they'll be able to sustain that, you know, going into next year kind of up in the air a lot of those guys their future with the nationals is up in the air um but 
Ramirez, Ramirez led all National League relievers in innings pitched, 80 and two-thirds, um, and he had an ERA of 246 as a reliever. He made a couple – I think he made two spot starts. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. But, in a, like, imagine a world where Nationals pitchers can just throw, like, five innings every outing. Yeah. Um, the bullpen might have been even more impressive. I think another good point that we we, sh- we should definitely mention is, is Kyle Finnegan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Tanner Rainey obviously needed the Tommy John surgery. That was a disappointment. But Kyle Finnegan, and not just that he was he looked like he was back in 2020 and 2021, right. but that he finished strong. Because we saw last year, August, definitely September, he started to fade a little right. bit. Had not pitched as many innings before. He was, was pitching a lot. He was pitching a lot. Davey used him a lot. <laughs> and, you know, he was put into the closer's role because of the injury to Finnegan. Or, uh, sorry, to Rainey. Um, and they weren't in many winning situations. situations right. But he finished the season strong and proved that, hey, if you need me as a closer, I can do it. And I can also handle the workload of the entire season. Mm-hmm. I think that's... It's more so not just the numbers. It's the more that he finished the season strong, whereas last year he didn't. Right. So you're showing you're you're seeing growth that way. Exactly, and I, I think another, I guess we can consider it a surprise because we didn't know that Juan Soto was going to get traded. Right. Was that we were having this terrible season, right? And we looked at and the farm system like. There wasn't a whole lot going on there. You had your top pitching prospects, like Cole Henry was something to get excited mm-hmm. about. Kate Cavalli was something to get excited about. But outside of that, and especially with position players, like we didn't really know what the future was. Uh, so it was kind of, you know, a, a nice surprise when they got this return and who they got in the return. And you saw them go from 24th to 8th yeah. in farm system rankings. So that was kind of a nice surprise that when you're having a terrible year like this and you look at the farm system that ranks in the bottom half of the big leagues, you get a trade like that, you see them boost, and that gives you something to be excited about in the future. Like at least, yes, worst record in baseball. Yes, worst in the NL East, worst in NL East history. Um, but at least we have a future here. Um, and they can continue to build. Yeah, well, because going into the year, we were like, all right, that I think that was one of our goals. It was like, boost this farm system. And, and at the time, we thought it would be the draft, you had the number five overall pick, and then the trade deadline, not thinking that they would trade Juan Soto, but but also not expecting to make this big of a jump, right? That's We said that all along, that's why you trade Juan Soto, to make this big of a jump. Um, get Elijah Green in the draft, and actually – the entire 2020 draft, draft class, maybe not the entire, but a good amount of those guys made the jump from rookie ball to Fredericksburg mm-hmm. and played well and played in the playoffs. Right. Um, I think of guys like Will, Will Frizzell, um, who had a great end of the season, who was a late-round draft pick. Um, sure. You talked to Trey Lipsicum at, at, mm-hmm. uh, at Fredericksburg, too. So that was important to having a good draft and seeing some immediate results. At the, I know at the lower levels, but still, like you sometimes don't get guys that – you know, I know Elijah played in high school. Some of those guys played college, so it's easier for them. But not only make the jump, but also perform well at, at Fredericksburg. That's going to be your Fred Nets team to start the year next year. Exactly. Maybe see some of those guys get up to, to high A Wilmington. Um, but then you're right. Then the trade deadline comes, and you're getting five top prospects from one of the best systems in the Padres in all of baseball. Two guys immediately, basically immediately. I know CJ started at Fredericksburg, or Rochester, but two guys basically immediately jump into the major league roster. And then the other three guys are two of your top prospects and one of your top, what, seven? He's the seventh ranked right. in Susana. So it's uh, that was a, 
that was definitely a positive. And then you add Elijah Green to that too. He's what third or fourth now. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a way to boost this system because they they weren't really able to be like yes you're not going to see the results of the big league level we're going through a rebuild but look at our farm system like they weren't really to that point in the rebuild where they could even say that like they're losing so many games and like seth where's seth romero mason dinnerberg jackson rutledge was hurt like it was that they didn't really weren't able to do that now after the trade deadline they have some talent they boosted the farm system and they are starting to be able to do that we'll see how they draft this year where they end up picking um even though they finished last in baseball so i i hate to keep being negative but I noticed this watching the last game last night. I mean, the Nationals have been promoting their new uh, Twitter account, Nationals Player Development, at Nats underscore player dev, D-E-V. Um, and the graphic they have on the screen is like, you know, up, all the up-to-date, newest information on the Nationals farm system, all the top prospects, all the young guys, you know, follows. And the graphic all they had on the screen was <laughs> Kate Cavalli, Cole Henry, and Brady House. And I know that's been the case all season long, and they haven't updated since the de- de- deadline or the recent draft, but it's like hurt, 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 hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and not playing. And all, you know, and look at guys like Brady House didn't play since June. Right. And, and Cole Henry, we don't know if he'll ever be able to pitch, pitch again. again. And of course, Kate Cavalli makes a highly anticipated debut and then basically doesn't throw the ball again for the rest of the season. In- and it was, I know that's not their fault. I'm not blaming the national, but it was just like, Ah, oh, that's Ooh, that's that's a lot of good up there, but also some selection. bad. <laughs> I, it's also like ah, there's you know you are excited about those guys, but just knowing right. their current states, as like ah. And it being like, the Nationals have been very quiet about Brady House. Yeah, and I think Even that's like, a little bit concerning. Yeah. And it being a back injury is a little bit concerning. They were quiet about Cole Henry. Um, you know, we found out because he was on a podcast, mm-hmm. um, and his future. He might never pitch again. So yeah, with Brady, like even Mike Rizzo was like, yeah, even I have a back problem and it sucks. And I was like, yeah. so is, is he going to play though? Like he's also like, anything like 40 years younger than he, but that's <laughs> besides the point. Yeah, he's like what? 19? Yeah. And 19? a baseball player. But yeah. anyway, um, so, but if there is a positive twist on that, it is that they were able to boost that farm system. And now we're really starting to see a possible future right. um, down on the farm. And, and Look, there's going to be more opportunity. I mean, you're not going to have another return in a, like a Juan Soto type deal next year unless you make some crazy acquisition this offseason and then flip it. Um, but even then, that's not Juan Soto, right? So you have to assume they'll be sellers again somehow at next year's trade deadline. They're going to have at least a top seven pick in next year's draft, hopefully a top three, mm-hmm. if not number one overall. So that's an immediate you know, young talent that's going to boost the system as well. I mean, you're right. There, there are positives. Look, and that, and that's the plan, right? And, Mike and that's Rizzo, what a rebuild is. Mike right? Rizzo, keep, like, he keeps saying we've done this before. We and we were successful. Both true. Um, it's just, can you do it again? And, and do you have the patience? Do the fans have the patience to to stick with you? I think they do. Nationals fans who, you know, they're, they're probably younger generation who who don't remember, but Nationals fans who do remember the first time they did this and then reap the benefits of a Strasburg Harper and make the, win four division titles and then obviously a world series like that's what it takes i mean not everyone can be the dodgers the yankees um you know you could point to the braves they're somehow doing it but they have a different system and they don't go after boris guys as often but uh yeah no i mean it's you know you wonder how 
how much long how, how long it's going to take because again this is year one of full first year this is going to take one more two more what's the next when when's the next let's just say semi-competitive nationals team is it 2024 or beyond i mean that that's gonna be a tough ask so biggest concern rotation on oh, the major league level rotation yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> injuries are you yeah. know down on the farm and i guess like brightest spot was that was these young guys that we're going to get to see continue to improve yeah. and your point about the bullpen too i, I and think the bullpen, yeah. you're you're absolutely right in that we need that should be a, a big point of emphasis because for so long the bullpen was a, a question mark mm-hmm. and like all right which reliever are they going to trade for or sign this off season um and then some some guys that we weren't expecting like an Andres Machado too, like stepped up. I mean, I know his overall numbers don't look great, but you know, he did pitch in some exactly. high level situations. Um, guys like Paulo Espino, who actually was better as a reliever this year than a starter. Um, so yeah, no, that, that part needs to be talked about too. So I, I mentioned at the top of the show that like, I think that we're going to be pointing to this year, a couple years down the, down the line because so much happened. Like, that were franchise altering. It's not just you. It's not like oh yeah, twenty twenty two was the first year of the rebuild. It was also the year that ownership possibly could have been changed. It's also the year where they traded Juan, Juan Soto. Soda. This is we're always getting reference the year they traded Juan Soto. That's how big that move and decision was. Um, so those are franchise altering moves. True. And like, I think we'll always even when they are competitive again, we're going to be like this. It was 2022. You know, it was a lot happened that year. For better or for worse, we're going to be talking about this season. Like, a lot of people, maybe probably fans, want to sweep it under the rug, right, and not talk about it anymore. I don't think we can do that because of how much changed this this the whole franchise. If the Nationals get new ownership, like, it's completely, like, it's a really bad time. <laughs> you know, like, if we're trying yeah, to get this splitting rebuild, into era, like, right, the end of the learner go- era. Exactly. That's going to complete, that's franchise altering yeah. you know so that's going to be if that that'll be the storyline yeah uh of this year f- forever yeah yeah so it was interesting it was definitely an interesting season <laughs> it was a long one the other thing we didn't talk about is like this whole season started in a lockout <laughs> like, right that's one thing to be thankful for is that there's no lockout this year we know this offseason is going to yeah. go as smoother. normal yep there will be a winter meetings there will be a rule five draft there will be non-tender dates there will be arbitration there will be spring training in february not a shortened spring training not three games tacked on to the end of the year that had to be played because they couldn't get a cba done so that part's good um yeah what a what a weird time hopefully hopefully like oh no (laughs) nothing crazy happens we've had covid we've had a lockout we've had a lot of going on the past couple of seasons so we're looking 2023 is going to be a normal season 2023 is going to be the year that we're What's the Metro's uh, motto? Back to good? We're back to good. good. Uh, Well, stick with us at the course of the entire offseason. We'll have shows every single week still on the Mass and All Access podcast, live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel. Of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Amy will have great coverage on Mass and All Access. I'm still writing along with Mark Zuckerman on MassandSports.com. Shout out to Tim Leonard for producing and helping out the show behind the scenes. Um... We'll figure out time to be back next week. We'll come up with topics. I mean, this will be an easier offseason to talk about actual baseball stuff than it was last year, right? Yeah. So uh, we'll have full coverage of the offseason 
uh, throughout the course of the next couple of, what, four months-ish, three and a half. Um, at Amy Jennings News on Twitter for Amy, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Give us a follow. And, of course, at Master Nationals across the board. Like I said, we'll be back next week and every other week throughout this offseason. So stay tuned. We'll see you then.